Welcome back to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast, episode 59, your week 10 recap with all things going on around Pinal County. And it was another great week here for our Pinal County teams, but we did have a couple of upsets uh, throughout the week. But overall, what was your thoughts of how the week went down, Luke? I, I thought that it was an interesting week to see how things shaped up. We had a couple of games that kind of didn't go the way we had predicted them to, but nonetheless, everything has been shaken up from 3A and above, and I'm really interested to get your opinion of all this chaos that has been shaping up in the high school football scene for Arizona. Oh, you know, it's pretty much crunch time. You know, every game from this point matters especially if you're in that top 16 which we I think as of right now have four teams currently in the top 16 and we'll talk about that a little later in the show but right now it's do or die you know how bad do you want to make it to the playoffs because there's probably no tomorrow for some of these teams and so as we dive into it so, uh, the first team we can talk about was the Thursday night matchup between the Sunnyside Blue Devils and the Casa Grand Cougars. And so that one was actually a lot closer than uh, we had expected uh, at the beginning of the week. But Casa Grand was able to pull it out, winning 14-12. to 12. But I know there was a certain topic you wanted to talk about before we got into the stats, and that was the disciplinary actions of seven starters for Casa Grand. Yeah, those players actually missed out on film and a practice session. So, you know, shout out to Coach Luna for holding his players accountable. And even though they were on the sidelines, he didn't allow them to disrupt anything as far as, you know, allowing their attitudes to carry on. Because I'll be honest, there was some pouting on the sidelines. But if you're not able to play and you're used to being out on on that field every Friday, I can feel that frustration. But at the same time, as a student athlete, you're looked at higher. You can't be one of those slackers that are just in the sport just to get out of class. You have to apply yourself both in and out, and you have to be where you say you're going to be when you have to be there, whether it's in class, whether it's practice, film room. That accountability goes into your adulthood, and you don't see it now, but these men that are trying to teach you, everything that they're teaching you is going to come forward, that you're going to look forward to that moment and be like, yeah, I remember when I didn't, I didn't come into practice and I didn't go into film and I didn't get to play on one of the, probably one of the crucial games that would allow us to be a region champion. But I mean, it was, it was a good game nonetheless for the Cougars to come and bounce back against a really tough team like Sunnyside. It was, it was kind of sloppy play on both sides. Uh, Fatty threw a couple of interceptions that, that were quite uncharacteristic. And throughout the time when I was watching that game from beginning to end, I was able to, say on the sidelines with coach Dom Henderson of Corona del Sol because his team had a bye or, or no, not a, uh, excuse me. His team was playing on Friday mm-hmm. and he was actually able to see the Cougars play for the first time since they, they played each other in the first game of the season. And it was good to hear everything that we hadn't got to talk to him about in the past from the reason about him leaving the, the, the struggles of, Coach Barrow and his team with the previous administration and and how all that fueled the decision for all the members to leave abruptly after a state championship. And 
And he made it very clear that it wasn't an easy decision, but when you have that opportunity to coach at the 6A level, you have to go out and take that opportunity. And, and I give him and Coach Barrow and everybody else who, who was previously on the Casa Grande staff who moved up to Tempe to uh, coach the Aztecs all the luck in the world because right now they're not having the best season as they would have anticipated. But Coach Dom, he, he has high hopes. And let's uh, refocus back on Casa Grande. So with that victory uh, that they were able to achieve on Thursday night, they improved to 6-2 and two on the season and 3-0 and oh in section play, which is very important coming into these final two games of the season while Sunnyside drops to 4-4 four and four and may have lost their chance to not only uh, become region champs but also possibly missing the playoffs because I want to say they sit around 19 right now in the rankings. But for Casa Grande, if you look at it, overall you, you're missing seven starters. It's going to be a tough task for some of the players who don't play on a regular basis to come in and try to play like the starters. But either way it went, it was a little bit of a tougher night uh, for Fatty Gann as he went 11 for 21 with 138 yards, but had only one touchdown and two interceptions. And if you look overall, he led the team in rushing with 110 yards. So, you know, somebody like Nathan Long, who had a great game against Sienega when we were there broadcasting it, ran the ball only one time for five yards. And then you have... Number 21 of uh, Velasquez rushed the ball seven times for 13 yards. And so it was just overall a uncharacteristic game for Casa Grande. And I just hope going forward, the players that had to sit out will realize just how important they are to this team. And it's going to take a team effort in order to not only make the playoffs, but also to get further on you know this is not 4a this is 5a ball it's a different level we we talk about you know how everything you start moving up and it gets harder you know and as you move into this 5a playoffs it's going to get tougher so you have to be on your a game week in and week out I just hope that they learn from this and are able to come into next week which is also another big region game and be able to play the way we know them to play yeah, and you mentioned Nathan Long. Nathan was dealing with an injury, and that's why he didn't get that same type of explosive running power that we're all used to. So we wish him a speedy recovery on that nagging injury, and we look forward to seeing what Casa Grande is able to do this Friday. So let's move on into what was our last broadcasting game of the season, which featured the Santan Foothill Sabercats taking on the ALA Ironwood Warriors, where the Warriors were victorious, winning 36-14, to improving their record to 6-3, and 3-0 and in section play, while Santan Foothills drops to 2-7 and and 1-3 and in section play. But overall, what were your thoughts of that game on Friday night and the environment we were in when it came to broadcasting this game? Well, the environment, speaking of that, it, it's continually getting better. We went to ALA Ironwood before, just a couple of weeks ago, and this time and it was even bigger experience. They, they had their senior night, and they didn't just recognize their football players and, and palm team. They were able to recognize their entire fall sports. So seeing every bit of their ceremonies of having the seniors and their parents come out to midfield and having the announcer 
uh, announced their accolades and, and where they plan to be in the next few years. It was an exciting experience. I feel like ALA Ironwood has definitely shown us the hospitality to make us feel like when we pull up on Warrior Way, it's just like pulling into your driveway. We're coming home. And it was a great experience. I, I knew that the game was going to be a competitive matchup. It, it kind of pulled away for one team more than the other, and we'll touch on, on that. But it was a good game. We had both quarterbacks in as the, our impact players. Or no, excuse me. We, you had Marcus Dorsey as the impact player for the ALA Ironwood Warriors, and I had Colton Hoffman for the Sabercats. And both players put up tremendous numbers and, and played their hearts out. So what were your thoughts in this game as we sat up in the booth for the second time? Well, you for the second time and me for the first time. Um, I think it was a great experience, you know, uh, just overall um, the hospitality uh, from ALA Ironwood, again, definitely doesn't go unnoticed, you know. And then the people thanking you afterwards, it just makes you want to come back week in and week out. We know the amount of love we get on the Santan Foothill side, but just the play of Aiden Williams that night. I mean, even though uh, Jet Brewster and Dalton Norman took home the get it in apparel players of the game, Aiden Williams rushed for 365 yards and three touchdowns. He's heating up at the right time, but at the same time, what I liked about his running game it set up Jet Brewster to complete three of four passes. He didn't have to throw much that night and also uh, got a touchdown in to uh, Hudson Graves on that first drive for the Warriors. So overall, I think that ALA Ironwood is getting hot at the right time. They're slowly moving up the rankings, and it's going to make for a an amazing 3A Central battle to wrap up this season and to see who will be crowned the 3A champions. So I think if you're looking at it, I hope that this is what we expect for the Warriors going on uh, into next year as well, because this is a good team if they stick together and they trust in Coach Dawson and uh, his uh, game plan, this team can uh, definitely make it far in the playoffs. Now you circle back to Santan Foothills. It's a team that is going to be young again next year, you know, uh, I think your most veteran player will be Dalton Norman. And so what I liked about Santan Foothills is Colton Hoffman, he uh, was running the ball very well, and I, I was very impressed with him. Unfortunately, he's a senior, so he won't be back next year. But I like the fact that they were able to allow Dalton to throw the ball a little bit more, mm -hmm. and he excelled in it. And so I hope going forward – with the uh, receiving core that he has coming back, maybe that can be something uh, that we see a little bit more from Santan Foothills that will allow them to be a little bit more versatile on their offensive game plan because once he was able to start throwing the ball, it kind of threw ALA Ironwood off a little bit. And, you know, but unfortunately, it's not the season that we had hoped for uh, Santan Foothills, but still some positives overall from what I saw on Friday. Yeah, it's definitely surprising to see that both teams have flipped the script. As we anticipated Santan Foothills to be a team that's in the hunt for the playoffs. And right now, it's ALA Ironwood who's actually in the hunt. And Santan is in that outer bubble that won't necessarily be making their way into the playoffs right now. For ALA Ironwood to come away with their best season in AIA yet, 
I'm really curious to see what happens this Friday in their big Pinal County clash that it's for all the marbles, basically. It's do or die. You said it earlier. I want the Warriors to do what nobody expected them to do, and that's to come away this season as region champions and possibly if they're able to do that, you got to look at this team as a top 10 team and nobody, and I mean nobody in the state expected to say that about the ALA Ironwood Warriors in the beginning of the season. And talking about their big matchup this Friday, let's talk about their opponents. The Florence Gophers had to have a big bounce back game against the Crisman Rattlers as they defeated them 41 to zero. Flawless victory. And at the end, Florence is able to bring their record to 7-2 and two on the season, while Crisman, in their first year in AIA play, is 0-9. This is exactly what we expected from Florence after losing to Ben Franklin after a really close matchup where they ended up losing by a field goal. Is Florence ready to play the Warriors at home this Friday night? Oh, I think so. I mean, you know, uh, Florence lost a close matchup to... Ben Franklin the week before uh, we knew that this was most likely going to be an easy feat for Florence when it comes to playing Crisman uh, a lot of these elite teams that have played uh, Crisman have won uh, pretty decisively and so I think it's a good bounce back game uh, you know Logan Stenson threw the ball a little bit more going eight for 12 for 160 yards and one touchdown while uh, Malik Smith rushed for 134 yards and one touchdown and overall, they rushed for 254 yards. So that was something that was very um, good to see as far as the bounce back games go. Uh, they were able to take care of business, but also were able to uh, get a couple of turnovers uh, as they intercepted Diesel two times on Friday night. And I think that this will give Florence some confidence especially after losing a heartbreaker at the end of the game against Ben Franklin. So coming into this week, you got to prepare for, like you said, a battle. And I think overall this may be a lot closer of a matchup than we initially expected. And it's going to be probably one of those games where whoever has the ball last has the best chance to win. Yeah, I agree. I'm really looking forward to this Friday. It's going to be really tough because in just a few hours, you're going to be leaving to Kansas. And and I hope that you can track your your experience as you're going down the road. You give the fans a little bit of of where you're at down the road, whether you hit a a Bucky's or or anything (laughs) down, you know, on the way to Kansas, because I'm pretty sure that you're going to have a really fun time traveling all the way there, especially since you're driving. There's going to be tons of things that you can encounter and especially going with your family that's going to come with a lot of funny stories so it's going to be really different this Friday having you not here but I'm looking forward to possibly doing something special with the community to have their involvement to figure out where I get to go this Friday well I'm sure they're going to be looking forward to that but let's go into uh, a two-way matchup which featured the Chandler Prep Titans taking on the Santa Cruz Valley Dust Devils and this was a game we thought it was a big game for uh, the Dust Devils, a must win. But the Dust Devils just went out and took care of business, beating the Titans 54-6. to And with that, the Dust Devils are now 8-1. and 
and went undefeated in section play. And now they are the new two-way salt region champions while Chandler Prep falls to six and three and three and two in section play. But overall, when we, you saw that score, what was your initial thought? That Santa Cruz wasn't playing. That they, if you looked at their social media when it was halftime, it was 48 to zero at halftime. And their question was, are they doing too much? And I don't think that they did enough. I feel like this is exactly what you wanted from your team. If you're a Dust Devil fan, you wanted them to go out, establish dominance. This was another team that nobody had expectations. You and I had ex- ex- didn't have playoff expectations for this team. And now this is a team that is pretty much guaranteed a home game. They are a top five team in Arizona coming in at number four and in. And I'll say it right now, the the football gods in the AIA have listened to our prayers <laughs> and they have put them ahead of Santan Charter. And, and I'm, you said it, finally. I was so happy to see that when you were able to release the rankings and the graphics. Shout out to Chris Kidney because he's been very helpful with us in getting that information out all season. Absolutely. And, man, I, I'm just so happy for Santa Cruz right now. They're having a tremendous turnaround season. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what this team is going to do this Friday night as they prepare for their final game of the season. And that's a big one. their toughest matchup yet. Oh, absolutely. And you have to give kudos not only to that offensive game plan, but the way their defense is playing. Only holding a team like Chandler Prep to six points, that definitely tells a lot because uh, there was a point where Chandler Prep was undefeated and we weren't sure if it was going to be a battle between uh, them Santan Charter in Santa Cruz Valley and who was going to get out on top. But Santa Cruz Valley ended up doing what they needed to do and are now an automatic bid to the playoffs. But you got to commend Nathan Harris for another big game, passing for 267 yards and five touchdowns. And then it also, uh, they had such a big lead, it allowed uh, for chico reyes uh to come in and he went four for seven uh for uh with 78 yards themselves but overall 345 yards through the air 120 on the ground and then if you look three different receivers with touchdowns with with juan diego juarez getting three of those five touchdowns for the dust devil so Usually you see somebody like Daniel Contreras or Sean Luis Banda as those big receivers, but it just shows the way that Nathan Harris is able to spread the ball. He targeted eight different receivers who came down with the reception. So their offense is hitting on all cylinders right now. I'm just interested to see when they go up against this next opponent that we're going to be talking about at the end because it's going to be pretty much – that could be a state championship uh, type of game when we uh, sit down and look at it on paper, these are two teams that could possibly play each other again later on in the season. So either way it goes, great job for the Dust Devils. But now let's move into another 4A matchup, which is the Post and Butte Broncos taking on the Apache Junction Prospectors. And the Broncos ran away with this one, winning 63-21. to Improving their record to four and four on the season, one and two in region play, and Apache Junction falls to one and seven and zero oh and two in region play. We knew that this was going to be a tough 
matchup for Apache Junction, but did you think it would be a score of 63-21? to 21? I didn't. There were a lot of things that surprised me about this, especially – I didn't. There was a lot of things that surprised me about this, especially the score. And then you look at the things that come in after the scouting report. It's unfortunate to report, but Ja'Kai Robertson did suffer a severe injury in this game, and he will be out for the rest of the season. It's mad unfortunate, but everybody who was able to run and step up in his place did exactly that. And against a team like the Apache Junction Prospectors, that's what you need. You need to find the ability to be that next man and and take that responsibility and give your all so that way you can help your team succeed. And I think that this is exactly what Post and Butte needed. It's just very unfortunate that one of their best players had to go down because of injury. And I think that that's not going to hinder their chances to, to be successful in the rest of the season. But it's going to be a huge blow for the Broncos nonetheless. Oh, especially uh, the way that Ja'Kai brings such a presence, not only on offense and defense, but special teams as well. But if you take a look at the numbers, Mason Lloyd only had to attempt three passes uh, for nine yards. He took care of business on the ground, rushing for 178 yards and four rushing touchdowns, which the team had nine rushing touchdowns in total. You also had Michael Whitman, 141 yards and three touchdowns. Evan Moore, 106 yards and one touchdown. And even the junior Isaiah Ortiz had 38 yards rushing and one touchdown. So overall, this was a typical post and butte Broncos type of game, rushing for 483 yards and then sacking the quarterback twice and causing uh, one turnover, uh, which was an interception. So overall, you got to... Be happy with what you're seeing from um, Post and Butte, especially after the past couple of games that have been a little bit uncharacteristic for uh, the Broncos. Uh, but when you look at Apache Junction, a team now that is one and seven was a playoff team last year. Unfortunately, that we don't have any stats to kind of see uh, what their uh, game kind of looked like. But this is a team that has really struggled uh, since the beginning and, you know, knowing that they lost their main running back in the offseason, and it kind of hindered things. And so, as I say with Apache Junction, the big thing for me is they're really one-dimensional as far as utilizing only their quarterback and their one running back. There's not a lot of people other than Ben Valenzuela who's been able to be a great receiver uh, for Apache Junction, but that was kind of the thing that made them so good last year is they relied heavily on just three players, you know. And so in this year, when you're kind of running that same system, it doesn't really help because there's going to come a time where your best player is going to have an off game. And who can you depend on outside of one other person? I think that the prospectors have a lot of soul searching to do after the season and, and not only soul searching, but they're going to have to find the talent to replace the people who helped them get to that success, but they had lost a lot this past season. So for them to, to just be one and seven, they could be winless, but nonetheless, we wish the prospectors very well as they look to end their season within the next couple weeks. Now let's talk about 
the Arizona College Prep Knights hosting the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks. The Knights were able to put away the Golden Hawks 57-7, to improving their record to 6-2 and on the season, while Desert Sunrise drops to 1-7. and Now, looking at this score, this isn't far away from something that you would imagine. But with a victory like this, does Arizona College Prep still look like a threat to you in the 4A? I definitely think so. I mean... A lot of good teams have been able to find success against Desert Sunrise. And, you know, we know that Desert Sunrise, we didn't have a lot of expectations. And that's just being a new team, you know, and everybody kind of getting their feet wet. A lot of players playing at the 4A level for the first time. But either way it goes, I know what Arizona College Prep did against uh, Vista Grande. I know that they've uh, had successes against other teams as well throughout the course of the season. So I will say that they're definitely still a threat. But when it comes to Desert Sunrise, what do you think has been some of the positives and and what are some of the things that they need to work on when it comes to uh, next season? One thing that I could say was easily apparent from going to a game, watching them play Vista, was their communication. On the field, on the sideline, That goes beyond the student-athletes and onto the sidelines to the coaches as well because there were some times where there were some miscommunications on both sides. And and I know that, you know, it can be frustrating when things don't go your way, but I feel like raising voices on the sideline and and causing tension when that doesn't really necessarily need to be, I feel like that could be worked against where they can find a way to mediate and keep the same staff because they have a great staff, but I feel like, They have to find a way to work well together. And once the coaches can find a way to be cohesive, the team themselves will fall in line as well. And for me, as far as a stat perspective or, you know, kind of scheme wise, I think that Desert Sunrise kind of throws the deep ball uh, way too much uh, with the type of quarterbacks they have. They have good mobile quarterbacks who just need to do more shorter routes, get the ball out quickly, and allow their receivers or their running backs to help them out and get yardage uh, downfield. Because we saw uh, that against Vista Grande is when they were able to get the short passes going, their receivers were able to pick up extra yards. And as far as a defensive perspective, you got to be able to not be giving up 30-plus points a game. You're never going to win a ball game like that, and especially when you're giving up 500 yards of offense. So whenever you kind of look at those numbers, those are the two big things is that you got to limit the amount of time your defense is on the field and have your offense do uh, the small things. It doesn't have to be a home run every single play. So I think once they're able to and they'll be able to get that going, they're going to be a good team going forward. But let's move on into our last 4A matchup, which featured the Arcadia Titans visiting the Combs Coyotes, and this one was actually a close matchup in the end as the Titans won 19-0 against the Coyotes. victory. And that improved their record to 8-0 on the season while Combs drops to 1-7. But when we saw this score, we were wondering if maybe it was a typo of some sort because usually when we've seen high-powered schools take on Combs, the gap has been uh, pretty big, but this one was only less than a three-touchdown game here. And so 
maybe this was something positive as far as Combs goes, or do you think that this might have been a game where Arcadia rested their players to be healthy for the end of the season? I'm not quite sure. There's not really much information going on on the Arcadia side, but I will say that is a glaring bit of hope for the Combs Coyotes. They have a big matchup this Friday as well. It could be the difference between them having a very horrible season or a season that could be looked at as, you know, we, we, we had some struggles, but at least we didn't lose to X, Y, and Z. And I feel like this is the opportunity that they have this Friday um, playing against the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks. This is going to be a big matchup for the Combs Coyotes and the Golden Hawks nonetheless, but this just shows that Arcadia at 8-0 is not the team that I was expecting to see in the playoffs this season, but the fact that they are in there and they have the record they have beating the teams that they have beat, Arcadia and the entire Titan squad, that group is scary. Oh, no doubt, and it's going to make for a good finish at the end of the season, but let's go into... Uh, another one of those uh, region matchups, which was the Vista Grande Spartans hosting the Mesquite Wildcats. And the Wildcats actually uh, came out victorious in this one, winning 26-6, to improving their record to 4-4, four and four, while Vista Grande now drops to 6-2. and two. And do you think that this was a bigger win for Mesquite or a bigger loss for Vista Grande? I feel like this was a bigger loss for Vista Grande. With Mesquite being able to come in and put them away by nearly three touchdowns, that's something that you would expect from the Wildcats of old. And with Vista Grande coming in so hot, but the problem being is that their main focus on their offense is currently injured. And in that time uh, since his injury, there hasn't been that player that's been able to step up and able to manage his load as their featured running back. So that's why I kind of like am looking more at Vista like, hey, you know, you guys, you guys still got this. Don't, don't allow the little bit of negativity because you got to take it as well as you can dish it. And I feel like maybe your stern words a couple weeks ago kind of affected them where they feel like they are a, a little bit underachieving. But what I want the Spartans to hear from me is, you guys are still in this. You guys still mm-hmm. got this. We still believe in you. I, and, and Daniel was just holding his receipt to, to actually <laughs> cash it in on you guys. But we still want you guys to take advantage uh, of your scheduling and, and take care of the opponents that you're supposed to. Because when it comes to the playoffs this season, you mentioned it earlier, it's only going to get tougher. Mm-hmm. And the, the competition that you're going to play isn't going to be anything like you've seen this season before. So... We want you guys to be able to right the ship, find that guy who's going to be able to take the spot from Fernando Moya. It's going to be very hard to fill the shoes for a number 21, but what they need is that resilience from a player like Tion Green or, or, or somebody else who's going to be able to run that ball for them and give them that same type of explosive power that they would expect from Fernie. Oh, absolutely. And what Fernie brings to the table that is so... He's kind of like an Aiden Williams who 
is relied upon uh, throughout the course of a game. It helps open up the pass for these teams. It helps being able to bring in other running backs to gain uh, great yards. But without him into the lineup, it doesn't seem like the offense is meshing as well as when uh, before he got hurt at the Desert Sunrise game. So I'm hoping that he's tracking to be able to come back. I'm not sure if he played in this game as uh, Vista Grande doesn't have any stats in as of right now. But either way it goes, that would be, I think, three straight games that he's missed. You can tell he's definitely been missed a lot more just because he doesn't get to uh, bring that offensive power in the run game. But if you look overall, Vista Grande held Mesquite uh, pretty well. They only gave up 258 yards total uh, throughout the course of the night. And the quarterback for Mesquite went 9 for 22 with 97 yards. But the big thing you got to circle is he had four passing touchdowns. So overall, I think this was just a hiccup for Vista Grande. Maybe it does deal with not having Fernando Moya in the lineup, but either way, they're still on that cusp of possibly making it into the playoffs. I know that that's what the ultimate goal is, but even coming into this week, it's not an easy opponent because they're probably the favorite to win this 4A Desert Sky. So I just want to see a little bit more fight out of Vista Grande when it comes to playing tougher opponents and going out there and showing, you know what, we left it all out there, whatever the score might be, you know what, we were right there. And I know if they win this matchup this Friday, they're definitely going to get a big bump in the rankings and almost probably lock themselves in for a possible playoff opportunity. But if they're not able to win this one, they could be on the outside looking in at the end of the day. And I'm hoping that Vista Grande is able to bring that fight to Arcadia. Like you said, if they are able to put them away, they put away a team that was recently undefeated, and they can make up for that skid that they've been on ever since they've lost to ACP. So this is definitely a game that Vista Grande needs to bounce back. And let's wrap up our Friday games with the Maricopa Rams traveling to Mountain View to play the Mountain Lions in a game where they unfortunately lost 14-42 to on the road, bringing their record to 3-5 and on the season, while Mountain View improves to 4-4. Four and Now, we only have a couple of games left for 4A and 5A before every bit of dust is settled and, and the playoff picture is pretty much clear. Was this a game that Maricopa definitely needed to show that they were on the come up or does this loss not necessarily affect their ascension? Um, I think from where we predicted them, uh, we expected Mountain View to take this game. But at the same time, I want to see Maricopa still continue to rise. And this would have been a great opponent to beat, uh, especially in that 5A South if they would have won this game, they would have been 2-1 and one in section play, while Mountain View would have been 2-1 and one as well. And Mountain View would have been 2-1 and one in section play as well. We could have been talking about a good final battle uh, for Maricopa when it comes to these last two games. But I think that, that would have been the first goal for Maricopa was achieving some wins. They did that. They checked that box. Now I think coming into uh, to finish up the season is to possibly go around five and five, 
And so I think if you look at this game, yes, it doesn't speak volumes as to the successes Maricopa had early on. But at the same time, I think it's a team that is on the come up. You know, they have a young uh, core. And I think coming into next year, they're going to be able to build on this and could possibly be in contention to be 5A South uh, champions. I think that that's definitely in the future for Maricopa. But right now, they have to worry about finishing strong in this season in order to be a 5-5 five and five team for the first time in a long while. And you definitely want to get that respect, uh, you know, in that 5A uh, region as well as uh, the division as well. So either way it goes, I think uh, Maricopa shouldn't hold this one on uh, themselves. Mountain View, we know uh, they played some tough opponents, picked up some big wins, uh, specifically uh, against Marana, their uh, rivals. And now Mountain View has an opportunity uh, themselves to be uh, region champions. But either way it goes, I like the region that Maricopa is in. I hope next year they're going to still be in this region because it's kind of like the small dogs in the fight. They get to dish it out and see see who reigns see who reigns supreme in that little group. So this year it might be a team like Mountain View, but coming into next year it could be a team like Maricopa for sure. Let's wrap things up entirely by talking about a Saturday game that happened with the ALA Anthem South Titans and the St. John's Redskins. The Redskins were able to put away the Titans 48-0. to Flawless victory. And in doing so, they improved their record to 6-3 and three on the season while the Titans dropped to 0-9. Something that we could have already expected from the Titans. Not to put them down, but they, they are facing really tough teams and they just haven't quite found that chemistry as a unit to go out there and put up points consistently on a weekly basis. And I think for them, uh, this is... Pretty unfortunate, you know, they had the uh, game a couple weeks ago that we thought they were going to possibly pull out. But at the end of the uh, day, this may be a second consecutive year that the Titans go winless. And I'm just hoping there is some type of chemistry or some type of unity between this team that they can rally around each other and put up a good fight uh, this Friday to end the season and carry that on into next year. But this has to suck if you are a ALA Anthem South football player or coaching staff where it's your second consecutive season where you don't pick up a victory. And I know that this is barely their second year at the AIA AIA level. I can only imagine just how bad it would have been if they were in 3A uh, where they originally were going to be requested to be in. But the 2A division has been just as tough uh, for the Titans. And I don't know where the improvement is going to come because, like I said, they sit in a spot that's kind of in between two of the bigger schools in Florence and Santan Foothills or even pushing out as far as Post and Butte. And I don't know where the experience, where the talent is going to come from that are already not attending those respective schools themselves. So... I don't know if this will be a school that will have any successes in the coming years. I'm hoping uh, that I'm wrong on this one, but this may be a team that might have to drop down a level possibly to 1A 
and kind of be like imagine is uh, in Coolidge where they're not fighting each other on the talent. You either go to imagine more for academics or you go to Coolidge more for sports. And so I, I just don't know where I see it. What about you? I, I don't see that happening with ALA because these successes that these ALA schools have had, if you look up at Gilbert North, West Foothills, down here in, in, in southern Arizona, there's so many of them that are succeeding and are capable of, quote-unquote, poaching these players from their, these established schools. And I think that the placement that ALA Anthem South is in, you mentioned it, they're between so many good schools that it's going to be tough for them to get that talent only if they are able to secure the type of resources that these student-athletes are needing. We've we've been able to see a lot of these student athletes move from two A on into four A, and and some athletes moving from three A all the way up into six A, and it's a big jump. And, and the thing that's unfortunate is we haven't been able to call these players' names out a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You think about the Banks brothers; one of them has been dealing with injury throughout the entire season, and the other has been kind of quiet on the defensive end, which is unusual because. As if you look back a year ago when he was in the 2A, he was ripping balls away from quarterbacks and running it in for, you know, touchdowns. So big difference from the levels of play when you jump up. But I feel like it was a learning experience for the Banks brothers. It's a learning experience for Mr. Villa as he's out there at Basha now. And I, I don't know. It, it's it's really – Well, t- the thing uh, – I'll just interrupt you for a quick second. Just because – you spoke of the other ALA schools. Mm-hmm. They are not in more of a smaller market than where ALA Anthem South sits. It sits right in between Florence and Santan Foothills. You know not a lot of players from Coolidge are going to take that drive to go there unless there is a program established. Or they would probably just go up the road uh, to imagine. With those other ALA schools, even – ALA Ironwood, who's now competing with a team like Crisman, who's just down the road. You have ALA Gilbert North, ALA West Foothills, ALA Queen Creek, who are all in their own kind of little market, who have multiple big schools to pick from. ALA Anthem South doesn't have that market as far as the amount of talent to make yourself a perennial to a powerhouse. No, and, and they don't. The The thing that I was just about to say is, ALA Anthem South best bet is for them to poach as many Florence players as they can because they are right in that area where we know already that Florence has a ton of middle schools where they have plenty of coaches in so those systems to create a pipeline to go either to Florence, to Post and Butte, and those two are the schools that you kind of want to be in. And and Santan Foothills is kind of you know building their reputation to be a school where these players want to go. But a majority of them either go to Post and Butte to play some of the best of the best, or they play for Florence to fall with that tradition and to be a team that's winning in the 3A. Well, either way it goes, I know that we have some big hopes for ALA Anthem South to kind of get that first win in school history. Uh, you know, I know that it's kind of continued on uh, last year with the basketball and baseball and softball programs but there has to be something that's going to give eventually where they're going to get a good core of athletes that are all kind of growing together and 
building a bond together. And I think the biggest thing is for a coach to stay there long term and try to ride out the tough times to get into the good times. So uh, either way it goes, that uh, wraps up our games uh, from week 10. But let's take a dive into the um, let's take a dive into the divisional rankings. We'll start with two way where Santa Cruz Valley sits at four and ALA Anthem South sits at 44. The top 16 looks like this. Arizona Lutheran, Pima, Scottsdale Christian, Santa Cruz Valley, Santan Charter, Camp Verde, Tanka Verde, Tonopah Valley, Phoenix Christian, Veritas Prep, Parker, Tombstone, St. John's, Wilcox, Scottsdale Prep, and Chandler Prep finishing out at 16. How are you liking this top 16 this week? I, I can agree with it. I think looking at the placement of St. John's as compared to a Scottsdale prep or even Wilcox, I feel like they could be a little bit behind, especially after just putting away a team like ALA Anthem South. But nonetheless, I mentioned it earlier in the show. I am so happy to finally see Santa Cruz Valley in the top five at number four ahead of Santan Charter, a team that they had beaten nearly a month ago, but it has taken weeks for them to jump ahead of them in these divisional rankings. No, I'll definitely agree with that. I think the uh, team looking on the outside, uh, trying to get into that top 16 that we got to kind of keep our eyes on would be uh, at 17, uh, Bisbee. They could possibly be a team that knocks out a Chandler Prep, but at the same time, I think Scottsdale Prep and Chandler Prep possibly have better uh, strength of schedules. And you might not see uh, anything Anybody fall out of that top 16, but at the same time, it could still definitely fluctuate coming into the last week of the season. But let's pop out two of the 3A divisional rankings. As we have Florence sitting at 10, ALA Ironwood moving up to 13, Coolidge at 21, Santan Foothills at 29, and then even uh, Crisman in that 3A Central sits at 32. But the top 16 look like this. Mojave 1, Paradise Honors, Valley Christian, Thatcher, ALA West Foothills, Blue Ridge at 6, Sabino 7, Ben Franklin 8, Marenzi 9, as we said, Florence 10, Push Ridge already dropping down to 11, River Valley at 12, ALA Ironwood at 13, Safford 14, Gilbert Christian 15, and Round Valley rounding things out at 16. Any uh, disputes with this one here? Not really any disputes. No, not at all. I feel like looking at this rankings, these teams are exactly where they should be, especially with a team like Sabino surprisingly losing to a team like Marenzi, who who is doing their thing as well, moving up into the number nine spot. I, I'm really surprised to see Benjamin Franklin just ahead of Marenzi and just outside that bubble of Sabino. But, but looking at their quality of wins, I can understand why they are placed where they are. Um, I'm really happy to see ALA Ironwood in that hunt now, a little bit higher than the 16 level, because in that area, I feel like you have a lot of scrutiny on your side and you mm-hmm. need to do everything you can to make sure you stay in the fight. And they are past that now. Teams like Gilbert Christian and Round Valley have to do everything they can to win these, win. To win these uh, last games this Friday. And I'm really curious to see 
what happens when the AIA releases their their playoff brackets? And I know that that Saturday morning it's going to be it's going to be an event for both of us. You being ahead two hours, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be a really big difference. And I'm expecting a, a wake up call for you <laughs> to tell me to come and tune in. No, most definitely. And I don't have any problems with the top 16 here. Uh, I think that uh, at the end of this week, uh, not much will change except for some region games. Those can kind of probably toss some things around, especially in the 3A Central that we'll get into here shortly. But let's move on into the 4A division where we have no teams currently in the top 16 as Vista Grande sits at 17, Post and Butte at 21, Apache Junction at 40, Combs at 42, and Desert Sunrise at 45. The top 16 looks like this. Yuma Catholic 1, Canyon de Oro 2, Northwest Christian 3, Micah Mountain 4, Arcadia 5, Thunderbird 6, Eastmark 7, Lee Williams 8, Arizona College Prep 9, Walden Grove 10, Buckeye Union 11, Bradshaw Mountain 12, Coconino 13, Snowflake 14, Peoria 15, and Yunker at 16. So either way it goes, uh, Vista is on the outside looking in right now. I know that if they're able to pick up this game on Friday, it could definitely skyrocket them at least into the top 15, maybe even into the top 14. I think that that's definitely something that they can do. It's just a matter of what type of personnel will they have available this Friday as they play the Titans. So we'll be definitely keeping our eye uh, on what's going on in the 4A divisions this week. But let's move on into our final division, which is the 5A division, where we have Casa Grande at 12 and Maricopa at 36. And your top 16 look like this. Desert Mountain 1, Desert Edge 2. Horizon 3, Higley 4, Apollo 5, Cactus 6, Notre Dame Prep 7, ALA Gilbert North 8, Raymond S. Kellis 9, Ironwood Ridge 10, Millennium 11, as we said, Casa Grande is 12, Sunny Slope 13, Buena 14, Sunrise Mountain 15, and Canyon View 16. And I know one of the big teams there we had talked about last week was Buena, who now has dropped down to 14, but you still have Ironwood Ridge at 10. But outside of those two, any other teams that kind of catch your eye there? Not really. I I, kind of really want Casa Grande to break into that top 10. I know it's not going to be an easy feat, especially with two teams ahead of them. One heavily covered in controversy and their placement on these rankings, but I think that Casa Grande definitely has enough to, to move up where they need to be. They still have two more games left in this season to, to win out and establish their dominance. I'm just not at ease with the competition that they're possibly going to face in the first round if mm-hmm. they are on the bottom of that playoff picture. And uh, you also got to keep an eye on Desert Mountain and Desert Edge on where they rank uh, as far as the Open goes. So we'll definitely uh, talk about that next week on uh, once the 2A and 3A regions are solidified and then um, looking at 4A through 6A because Desert Mountain and Desert Edge might be moving into the open eight where then Casa Grande moves up a couple spots and then it might be an easier first round matchup compared to if you had those two teams uh, in that 5A playoffs. So either way it goes, that's where your uh, standings are uh, as far as the rankings are concerned. 
But now let's get into everybody's favorite segment, which is the upcoming games for Week 11. All right, we're going to start off with ALA Anthem South taking on Miami. The Titans sit at 0-9 while the Vandals are 3-6. and Lupe, who are you taking? I got to go with the Vandals on this one. I'm sorry, ALA. And I'm going to lock uh, in Miami as well to take home the victory there. But let's move on into the 3A Central Championship matchup between ALA Ironwood, who's at 6-3, and three, and the Florence Gophers, who are at 7-2. and two. How do you see this one playing out? Oh, man, this one's the toughest match to try to, to find a winner on. Logically, I want to lean towards the Florence side, but if I, if I listen to every other bit of me, it's going to say go with the Warriors. The Warriors are really hot right now, and I feel like that focus isn't going to be shaken as they go into Florence on their homecoming night. Who do you got? Uh, this one is definitely a tough one to choose. Uh, I've gone back and forth uh, all week. Uh, but I'm going to go with my original uh, 3A Central winners, and that's the Florence Gophers. I think even though they had that little hiccup against Ben Franklin, I think they're going to bounce back uh, yet again. And it's going to be a close one, but I'm going to go with the uh, Gophers there. We locking it in? Lock it in. All right, let's talk about this 4A matchup between the Apache Junction Prospectors and the Snowflake Lobos. Apache Junction is 1-7, while Snowflake is 5-3 on the outside of the 4A playoff bubble. Who do you got in this one? I definitely got to go with the Mountainside team. I am taking the Lobos, and I think they're going to win by a few touchdowns. How about you? Oh, you can take that to the bank. It's Lobos all day. All right, now let's go into the 5A Southern matchup between the Casa Grande Cougars and the Marana Tigers. Casa Grande sits at 6-2 and two, while Marana's at 3-5. and five. How do you see this one playing out? I see this going the exact opposite way. The flag football game went. Marana was able to pull this one out. I think the boys are going to be able to come into this game. And walk away winners. Who do you got? Casagrande? Or I, I think uh, with the starters coming back into the lineup, you're going to see a big jump in that offensive production. So I'm going Casagrande as well. Now a good 4A battle between the Combs Coyotes and the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks. Both teams coming in at 1-7. and seven. Who are you giving the edge to? I got to go with the team who is not dealing with a lot of injuries right now. And I'm going to go with the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks. Who do you got? I think I'm going to join you on that one. I like the way uh, Desert Sunrise has been playing, you know, especially coming off uh, their first uh, win against Alhambra. So I think they're going to be able to bounce back and pick up a victory there. So I'm going Golden Hawks. In Coolidge's homecoming matchup, they are going to welcome the Crisman Rattlers. The Bears are 4-5. and five. While Chrisman is 0-9, who do you got in this one? Uh, I'm going to take uh, Coolidge. I think uh, this is going to be a big game, especially to send off those seniors. And I think they're going to leave it out all on the field, and uh, they're going to win big. No, you're right. If you want a homecoming game, a team like Chrisman is exactly who you want to play. And this is a game that Coolidge needs in order to finish this season at 500. So you can lock it in. I got the Bears on this one, too. All right, then you have 
the Maricopa Rams hosting the Ironwood Ridge Nighthawks. The Rams are three and five, while the Nighthawks are seven and one. Who are you taking on here? I'm going to fly high with the Nighthawks. All right, I'm going to join you there and take the Nighthawks as well, and we'll lock that one in. Post and Butte will have a home game against the Gila Ridge Hawks. Post and Butte currently sits at four and four, while Gila Ridge is struggling at one and seven. Who do you got in this one? I think uh, the Broncos are going to have a field day and be able to run the ball and have a good defensive performance. I'm going Broncos all the way. And I'm going to go with the Broncos as well to bust the Gila Ridge Golden Hawks this Friday night. Flawless victory. All right, then we have the Santan Foothill Sabercats taking on Borgate Catholic, where Santan Foothills is 2-7 and seven and Borgate Catholic is winless at 0-9. I'm going to go, uh, go ahead and go first on this one. I'm taking the Sabercats to finish off the season on a high note and finish 3-7. and seven. How about you? I got to go with the Sabercats as well. I'm hoping that the seniors we know, like Cohen Scott, are going to go out there and give their all. It's mad unfortunate that senior David Robiloth had suffered a severe injury to his kneecap, but as I was talking to him last Friday at ALA Ironwood, I was telling him, you know, we personally, it sucks not to see you dressed out and on the field every Friday, but at the same time, we're happy to see you walking. We'd rather see you walking without assistance than to see you out here in crutches or to hear something else, you know, happen to where you can't play sports at all. He still has soccer to look forward to. And, of course, baseball. Mm-hmm. And I was giving him a little bit of insight to what we're looking forward to doing this spring for softball and baseball. And I told him to just keep his head high and to keep his spirits going as they prepare for their final game, which I know they're going to blow the wings off the Borgate Catholic Golden Eagles. And we'll lock that one in. All right. Then we have Santa Cruz Valley, who's going to be traveling down to Pima, where Santa Cruz sits at. 8-1, and one, and Pima's undefeated at 9-0. and oh. How do you see this one playing out? I see the Santa Cruz Dust Devils ruining Pima's chances at a perfect regular season, and you can lock this in. I got the Dust Devils on this one. Who do you got? Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I think Pima is still a powerhouse in the 2 uh division. I do expect a very close matchup, but I'm going to give the edge this week to Pima, and I'll lock that in. But let's move into our final matchup of the week, which features Vista Grande traveling down to Arcadia to take on the Titans. Vista Grande 6-2, while Arcadia is 8-0. And this is a must-win for Vista Grande. But how do you see it playing out? Again, thinking logically, Arcadia is going to run away with this one. But thinking with my heart and exactly how I feel, I want Vista Grande to pull the biggest upset of the year and put away the Arcadia Titans. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going to roll with Arcadia this week. I think uh, just from the proven fact of Vista Grande losing to Arizona College Prep and then to Mesquite, uh, they've struggled against the tougher opponents. And I think that Arcadia is definitely going to have an edge in this one, especially with the uncertainty of the health of Fernando Moya. So I'm going to lock it in, and I'm going to say Arcadia takes the victory on this one. And that will do it for this week's matchups. 
It's going to be a great week of football. And I got to ask you, what is your no doubter pick of the week? My no doubter is going to be my no doubter is going to be the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks beating the Combs Coyotes. Who's your no doubter? Uh, I'm going to take the Snowflake Lobos knocking off Apache Junction this week. And I'm going to lock that in. And you know I got to have an upset this week. So who is that sleeper team that may pick up a victory? For me, I feel like that sleeper team is going to be the Maricopa Rams beating out the Ironwood Ridge Nighthawks. What do you think? Uh, My sleeper team this week, they have to play for something in order to get into the playoffs. So I'm going to take Vista Grande to knock off Arcadia. And I will lock that one in. And that's going to do it for our rapid fire segment. But all in all, before we wrap up the show, do you have anything else that we need to talk about before we get into uh, tonight's games? Yeah. One thing that I want to make perfectly clear to all these players is if you are serious about playing at the next level, please, please, please make sure you are findable on all social medias. If you do not have a Twitter I know that sometimes it feels like it's unnecessary, but at this day and age, that is your best communication with college coaches who just aren't a drive, you know, down the road to Tucson or Phoenix. So if you want to be able to connect with college coaches on a deeper level and to send them not only your stats and and highlight films and things like that, you need to get acquainted with the the times. You need to make sure you have the Twitter account. You got to make sure you have your Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, anything that you have available, you have it findable with your name and it's not going to be anything that could cost you your scholarship opportunities. So the reason I bring this up is because we had somebody contact us to try to get a hold of a few players. And one, they had mentioned that they, you know, they had heard radio silence, that there was nothing coming from a few and, from certain members that they weren't able to even find them on Twitter, let alone on Instagram. So if you're one of these student athletes, please make sure that you have everything cleared and in your name for social media and that you're completely findable. If you want, go the Kevin Durant route. Make a couple of burners. Make one for your personal. Make one for your private. Make one for your athletics. And you got to keep them separated. You don't mm-hmm. want a coach to find your burner accounts or your personal account and find you doing something that could put your future at jeopardy because we've heard it many a times like like a horror story about this time of year that so many student athletes lose out on these great opportunities just because they don't have their social media game on point Mm -hmm. or they're just being reckless with what they post no i definitely can't agree uh enough uh and also uh your usernames just make those something your first your last name and your graduation year or something that shows that you are a student athlete and that's the one that uh, coaches and recruits can contact you directly and will use on a regular basis but I couldn't have said it any better loop I think uh, we can leave it right there Uh, as far as me uh, I will be traveling like you said uh, to Kansas so we're gonna have a little bit of a different uh, podcast style next week as I'm going to be in Kansas. You'll be here in Arizona and we're going to make it work. We're going to talk about uh, all the games uh, from this uh, upcoming week and then see where uh, our 2A and 3A teams uh, 
stand as far as playoffs are concerned. And I'm just wishing all the teams the best. And and I'll see you in a couple weeks when I'm back in town. All right, bro. Drive safe. Take it easy.